Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling as we come off of one of the most eventful weeks of 2022. And of course, I'm my co-host this week is Jake from the Winning City. Jake, nothing really happened this week, did it? I concur, dude. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty pretty quiet. Uh, but yeah, jokes aside, uh, it's, a, it's another beautiful day here. It's in another week and another... A chance to talk to you about the wackiest world that is professional wrestling. So pleasure is all mine to join you today. Well, thank you for coming along this crazy ride that we're going to have this week. Let's go ahead. Since there's so much to talk about, go right to the control center. This is your Radio Free Pro Wrestling Control Center. All the wrestling news you need to know. Okay, Jake, we're going to slide back to last Thursday because I woke up Thursday morning with the news that NXT UK was going to be shut down on a hiatus as the WWE is going to convert it to NXT Europe. Along with that, they released 22 to 24 talents on the same day. Mm-hmm. Interesting that um, that this is happening. Um, it seems like they're going to be uh, NXT UK is going to be taking a hiatus uh, for the time being. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that, uh, what has happened. I mean, I got to say NXT UK was probably, um, you know, outside of Dynamite, my favorite show to watch uh, over the past year. Uh, you know, you know, w- when Walter first came, uh, he was my favorite things, uh, uh, things uh, to see uh, before going into the main roster. So I think the biggest name of the releases would be Trent Seven as actually as NXT is going still on here. They're supposedly have this match with him versus Tyler Bates for the vacant NXT title. Oh, hey, by the way, last Tuesday night on Heatwave, they spoiled the end of the tournament as Tyler Bate walks out on NXT 2.0 with the British title as apparently they're going to have a special world collides on Sunday, September the 4th, and he's going to face off against NXT champion Braun Bricker. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that Worlds Collide pay-per-view is going to take place at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, September 4th. Uh, so, uh, and the card is still yet to be announced, but this will be the final event for NXT UK before it will be relaunched as NXT Europe in 2023. And it will be at the WWE Performance Center in Florida. Jay, right there, that's one thing that gets me. I'm like, they're in Cardiff on that weekend. You're going to shut this thing down. Why not give the guys a chance to perform in front of their home fans and let them have one last show in Cardiff on that Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I-, I was surprised when they announced it's going to be at the Performance Center. I mean, you know, it- it- that weekend, you know, the-, the rest of the of the guys are going to be at in, in Cardiff in the UK. It- it's like it's like logic there i mean it's it's right there that weekend i mean can't have you know the the uk talent to have their final moment uh in cardiff itself but no it has to it has to take place at the performance center which is really really mind-boggling yeah i just don't understand it it's it's so weird 
Well, I was listening to um, Brian Edwards of Figure Four Radio, and there's talk about the belief that NST Europe won't be like recorded in Europe. They're going to actually try to record it from the Performance Center in Orlando. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're cutting back on some some um, some of their expenses as well. The WWE is, um, and I, I don't know. I it also makes me question what the future is for their Performance Center. Uh, in the UK itself, where they're trying to find uh, some of the top names in independent wrestling in the UK. I don't know if they're going to continue with that aspect. Well, they got a plan, quote, 2023 wants for NXT Europe. So we'll keep you guys informed as we get informed of the chances heading to the European side of our podcast here. We'll move on to our next story. And it's kind of surprising as well, Jake, as Jeff Jarrett has left the WWE, he was senior vice president of live events and the person replacing him has a good strong tie to Triple H as it's the road dog. So looking at the report on that uh, from PW Insider by Mike Johnson. So we saw that Jeff Jarrett uh, has departed his role uh, last week and uh, maybe it could be a coincidence, but you know, road dog, you know, just a week later, road dog, um, uh, finally got announced to be to be back in the WWE in a uh, in an executive position. So I don't think he uh, they said that uh, they're not like outright replacing Jarrett. But, uh, you know, he's one of he's one of Paul of X guys uh, in his inner circle. No pun intended. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is a time where, you know, uh, Road Dog was, you know, was just getting the ground started on his podcast as part of the ad free shows network uh, with Conrad Thompson. Uh, and uh, I know and there was some. Well, there was some speculation on whether he might uh, want to uh, stick around in the wrestling business, maybe join AEW in a backstage role. But uh, yeah, it seems like he's back in the inner fold with the WWE. So um, it's going to be interesting uh, if uh, he's going to be involved with uh, all three brands. Is he, uh, is he uh, still going to have uh, some say in NXT? We'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. Okay, so our third news story of the week, we're going back across the pond to UK as Will Ospreay, his forever run as the uh, Red Pro Heavyweight Champion has come to the end. And it seems like Will Ospreay is stepping away from the promotion as he's trying to take some time off and focus on New Japan. Yeah, looks like Will Ospreay, he's been the champion at Rev Pro for uh, for quite a while. Um, Ariel Assassin and the leader of the United Empire lost to lost the title to Ricky Knight Jr. at Rev Pro's 10-year anniversary event, uh, event yesterday, ending a streak that lasted, get this, 919 days. Uh, <laughs> you know, in... You know, after the match, uh, Osprey uh, says he is extremely thankful to everyone at RevPro, especially its dedicated fan base. And it's interesting because Osprey is coming off some, uh, a string of huge losses. He was also defeated by Kazuchika Okada in the G1 Climax Finals a few nights ago, a second major loss to the Rainmaker this year. But it is interesting because he will be competing in the Trios Tournament along with Aussie Open on this Wednesday's AEW Dynamites, which is going to be pretty interesting. Exactly. Of all the matches for the trio's title for the AEW brand, this is the match I'm looking forward to the most. It's Death Triangle versus the United Empire. That'll be pretty dope to see on Wednesday, so <laughs> can't wait for that. Okay, Jake, going over to our fourth news story, and I got kind of an update with this as well. Earlier this week, Bobby Fulton, one half of the Fantastics, if you remember the Fantastics, was hospitalized for a while with some quite serious health issues, but he later on tweeted that he should be out of the hospital 
later this week, probably midweek. So we just want to wish Bobby Fulton a speedy recovery. Exactly. Uh, Bobby Fulton's son, Dylan, shared on Twitter that his father is in the hospital. Uh, According to the statement, dad came back home to NC for the weekend and an hour out had to rush him to the hospital. Uh, They pronounced that uh, he he has sepsis and has double pneumonia. Please keep him in your prayers quote-unquote, from Dylan. So Bobby Fulton worked for various promotions, uh, including Mid-South, uh, Mid-South Wrestling, World Class Championship Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Fulton was part of the Fantastics with Tommy Rogers, where they had notable feuds with the Midnight Express and the Sheep Herders. Uh, so, yeah, we want to wish Bobby Fulton uh, and the family all the best and uh, for a speedy recovery. AJ, if you haven't seen any of those matches with the Fantastics and the Midnight Express, I highly recommend you go to YouTube and just type in both teams' names because some of those matches are pure classics. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Especially in Smoky Mountain where they had some classic matches with the uh, matches over there as well. So definitely uh, take the time to go out of your way to check out uh, the Fantastics. Well, Jake, our fifth news story of the week was no surprise to anybody because last week on AEW Dynamite, the Young Bucks mystery partner, we kind of got it right. I got our stuff on the back here. It was Kenny, <laughs> oh my God, Omega. And that match kind of ruled. It was pretty awesome. Uh, it was interesting seeing that end uh, there. Kenny Omega had kind of his protective gear all around him that entire match. I think this is building towards like a, a maybe a pretty good story, which is intended for Kenny Omega to finally reach his peak again. You know, he's he's still like he he's kind of like a little bit maybe it's sort of working us in regards to like he's still feeling some effects of his injuries, but. Yeah, I really like how he performed uh, this past uh, last Wednesday on Dynamite. You know, the one thing that surprised me was the return of Don Callis, and he was at commentary. I don't see Don Callis being with Kenny Omega if he's a babyface, but we still don't know if Omega's going to be a babyface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still don't know that. There's kind of that um, that unknown middle realm there. So if you ask me what I predict, uh, maybe Kenny will, um, well, maybe Don Callis. If it was up to me, I would have Don Callis turn on Kenny and be with Adam Cole uh, and and the Undisputed Elite, which is interesting because, uh, you know, we haven't heard from them in the past couple of weeks, and uh, I don't know what's going on in that realm, but hopefully uh, they'll uh, they'll continue with that story with the Bucks uh, soon on AEW. Jake, I like your idea. I Hopefully we'll get to see that because I feel like Don Callis with the Undisputed Elite would be an amazing pair. Mm-hmm. That would be an amazing pair. I'd definitely concur on that. And, you know, Adam Cole is one hell of a talker. Then, you know, Don Cowles can be that uh, can be that uh, second that second hand talker, uh, kind of similar to that uh, Nick Bockwinkle, Bobby Heenan type of pairing. <laughs> you know, that two incredible talkers just uh, uh, bouncing off each other. So <laughs> exactly. I was going to say the same thing because that was the pair I would, would compare them to. Well, our last news story of the week, it happened just not even 24 hours ago as on Monday Night Raw, if you were lucky to watch and not spoiled like me, Johnny freaking wrestling is back with the WWE. It was a pure surprise. Uh, you know, there was no uh, promotion of it. Uh, there were no uh, uh, there were no Internet rumors of it. This was a really pleasant surprise. And I'm really happy that uh, Johnny Gargano is back in the WWE fold. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, if he went to on the other side to AEW, I kind of had this uh unfortunate feeling that he might he might get lost in the shovel uh, along with uh, some several uh, who jumped over there so i'm really happy that he's back and especially with paul Levesque, uh having the book uh for for him and uh yeah it looks like uh 
Gargano's first program on the main roster will be against Theory. And we all know the history with both of them on NXT, especially during the uh, the height of the pandemic uh, with the Gargano way. And they were an excellent they were an excellent heel heel stable that they had there uh, during uh, during that time in NXT a couple of years ago. So but it'll be interesting what we're going to watch here uh, between uh, both Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. Exactly. With the fact that they're pairing him with Fury for their first feud, you already noticed that Johnny's going to be up for mid-card. And with Paul Yvette being the person pulling the strings now, when Johnny said, I want to be world champion, I went, you know what? It's a possibility now. Because if he said that during a Vince Man era, I'd be like, sure. Okay, Johnny. Yeah, tell me another one. Yeah, absolutely. So really looking forward to that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been your Radio Free Professional Wrestling Control Center as we slide over to our Stunning Six Questions of the Week. It's time for the Stunning Six Questions. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully Sean and Jake can figure it out. Okay, Jake, first stunning question because there was something else that happened on that AEW Dominate show last Wednesday that kind of caught me off guard. I don't know if it caught you off guard, but CM Punk came out, cut the promo at the beginning of the show, and he literally laid out a challenge for babyface Heyman Adam Page, but yet we didn't see no Heyman Adam Page. <laughs> it's interesting because like uh, on Being the Elite uh, this week, they kind of had, had like a funny uh, uh, explanation, quote-unquote explanation as to why Heyman didn't come out. It's like he was doing this like this rah-rah speech uh, with the uh, the Dark Order uh, which is pretty hilarious. And like some, some stage manager came into their locker room and, you know, told hangman that hangman such a joke way and said, Hey, punk's calling you out. And then, and then hangman was like, shut up, shut the F up. We're doing something here. I'm leading the pack here with the dark order. You know, I want everybody here to win the trios title. So <laughs> it was kind of like a, a funny, uh, funny joke type of explanation there. Um, but you know, it's interesting. Uh, something very strange happened, uh, you know, during that time, and we saw some of the rumors with, you know, there's a ton of backstage drama. You know, I was, you know, uh, according to uh, Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer newsletter, while not exactly said, uh, it was the idea that, you know, Punk, uh, you know, Punk is, um, how should I say this? Like, there's some, uh, there's some weirdness uh, as far as between Punk and Hangman. This is definitely not an angle, although like everything, it could be turned into one down the line. Uh, the backstory in all this was that Punk was mad at Page about an interview uh, before the Double or Nothing pay per view, where if you remember that uh, that interview segment between the both of them with Tony Schiavone in the, I believe it was the Go Home Show to Double or Nothing this past um, this past May. Um, Page talked about you know saving AEW from Punk, and since Punk was gone for so long, he hadn't addressed it, and this was his receipt and. It was pretty like weird to watch, and I was like, "Wow!" So, so now Paige, a babyface, was made to look like a coward if they don't do anything with it. So it's right now like there's a ton of backstage drama involving many of the top guys, and has gone so. And, and you know, according to Meltzer, it has gone worse in recent weeks. Um, you know, he suggested that you know Tony Khan needs to sit everyone down and air air everything out to, before it gets worse. So pretty interesting. Uh, to see, like, I don't know. I mean, could this be a work all along? Maybe, but I can definitely, you know, Punk's a very controversial guy. You know, I've I've met him a couple times. Uh, he was pretty gracious uh, and you know, gracious with the fans. But you know, we've heard that Cole Cabana podcast several years back, and you know, he was very upfront about everything. So, to be honest with you, I'm I really do like where it goes, uh, where it goes from here. It's like you know, 
the lines are blurred so many times and you know this is what i like to see is like you know just a, a, a mix between reality and fiction here it's just hang back and sitting back and see what's the next step here exactly because we heard rumors of like CM Punk maybe not showing up for that episode of dynamite then i got thinking you know all else in chicago i doubt punk's gonna skip on a major payday like all out in his hometown but i can see probably that promo from back earlier in the summer rubbing punk the wrong way and may hangman and page and go apologize as soon as he should have and it's just festered and like you said Dave Mercer was hitting at Tony Khan needs to grab the controls here and sit both of them down and go like we need to squash this now you are two of my top talents I got big plans for you guys and you guys are screwing things up you know I, I look I'm really happy that Tony Khan uh has made this uh you know has made all lead wrestling a great second alternative he's he books what the fans want um and uh, and he really listens to you know what the uh, what the the biggest trends are among the fans. Um, but my concern is is that he could be letting the the inmates running the asylum, uh, which is my deep worry. And then you know Tony has like I agree like you know Tony has to be a leader eventually and just like sit everyone down. And you know he had like in the early day, early days he had Cody Rhodes to be was there to be that liaison between Tony Khan and and all the talents. So, I mean, right now, I mean, hopefully uh, things will ease out uh, eventually. Uh, You know, it's interesting, um, you know, according to the uh, another quote here from The Observer is that the big thing that started all this is that, you know, Cole Cabana is not in the dark order with no angle and he has not appeared on television recently. I mean, he has stopped uh, being brought to televisions and looks like he's going to make that transition into Ring of Honor full time. So, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate to see, you know, what happened there. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that aspect uh, for Sean? You know, it's kind of weird seeing Cabana just disappear out of nowhere from the Dark Order. And I remember them saying, oh, hey, Cabana is signed with AEW, but oh, wait a minute, it's not really AEW. He's signed to whatever this ROH brand is. So I feel like they're going to keep him employed, but try to keep him away from Punk as all possible. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's really unfortunate because Cole Cabana is arguably the most important independent wrestler of all time without without Cole Cabana the Bucks don't consider the in the independent circuit a viable career there were a lot of wrestlers who followed his blueprint to making money on the indies being able to uh, achieve a comfortable living you know the entire wrestling business to me owes him a debt of gratitude and look Cody Rhodes and and the Young Bucks knew that and they understood that when they first started AEW, you know, Cole Cabana, you know, they, they gave Cole Cabana a lot of credit and, you know, making a, a, a reliable income uh, in the independent circuit. Uh, people forget or never knew that pro wrestling tees would not exist without Colt. And that's a cornerstone of modern wrestling merch outside of the WWE. Uh, it's it, it, it's it's a given outlet. It, it's it, it has given an outlet slash income to a huge amount of the wrestlers who wouldn't have seen a dime and the families of some of, you know, of that, of that, of their own talent merit. And yeah, it's just really unfortunate to see, you know, Colt in the backhand of this. You know, Jake, another thing about Colt was he literally gave CM Punk a platform to air his grievances with the WWE when he left the company without notice. He gave him that platform. <laughs> like he welcome, he gave him that platform, and you know to see 
when they embroiled in in the lawsuit by by Dr. Chris Amon a few months later, and then eventually Punk uh, rescinded his help for Cabana, and it's so unfortunate to see how money can ruin people's friendships uh, over the uh, over the years. And yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a bad look with with Punk right now. But uh, I just don't understand the situation at all. See, that's the one thing that rubbed me wrong about Punk was the fact that he pulled his legal support from Coke Cabana because I'm like, you make more money than Coke. He gave you the platform. You should cut your friends, but when that lawsuit came out, and the only reason that lawsuit came out was to try to drain them of funds. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. He helped him out. You know, Cabana helped Punk out uh, during that whole that, that whole legal affair, and you know, Punk didn't give that back, which is you know just really sad to see. You know, seeing some of his defense there, and then it's you know, then and you know having a counter having to countersuit a Cabana is just oh, it's just it's just really sad. You would think the money is there between an eventual feud with CM Punk and Cole Cabana, but looks like it's not going to happen anytime soon. And, you know, it's that awkwardness is just legit there. Exactly, Jake. Now, all these events happening this past Wednesday on Dynamite leads me to my second stunning question. What we thought was going to be the main event of All Out of John Mosley versus CM Punk for the title unification, we're getting tonight on AEW tv for free mm-hmm. i'm i'm still baffled by that decision like you're leaving out a ton of money on the table and table and uh for constant pay-per-view buys for all out so it's interesting you know Meltzer said on sunday night's main event uh, this past weekend with mike mcguire that that is still the work that is still the plan for all out is cm punk and john moxley uh for the AEW world championship and they don't have a backup plan as of this moment you know that is according to, to dave right there uh this past sunday on 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 snme so I don't know why, what the outcome will be for Wednesday. Uh, could it be like a screwy finish, which AEW does intend on doing that? Could this be the eventual return of Maxwell Jacob Friedman, one MJF, uh, maybe at the end there and uh, like a surprise and maybe there'll be a ref bump and there might be a, a, a no contest during that finish, but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens on Wednesday. Okay, Jake, how about this? The match is happening. MJF runs down, he lays out both competitors, and somehow, some way, he gets Tony Khan to add him to this match for All Out. And it becomes a three-way for the undisputed title. Oof. I'm not a I'm, I'm not a big fan of three ways for the for the world title. Um, you know, but we have seen that with Danielson and Batista Norton back at WrestleMania 30. But yeah, I I hope it doesn't go that route. And it, it would be like a such short notice, too. You know, just like literally a week and a half before all out so yeah i don't like that idea at all you know jake any idea they come up with is going to be probably in the same vein as you're really down to three tv episodes before your big freaking pay-per-view so any secondary plan you could come up with you're not going to be able to heat up in time mm-hmm. exactly well since we're just talking about aew let's just go ahead and go to study question number three because this was the my bone to pick with tony Khan this week I think you know what it was, Jake. We had a match <laughs> between the Varsity Blondes and the Gun Boys, and it mm-hmm. lasted maybe 30 seconds. All I can see is, like, Brian Pillman Jr. stand on the side of the ring, and that's when you know he gets thrown into the future somewhere. You never see him again. Right. And poor Griff Garrison, once again, has to eat a freaking pen. Why have they done to Tony Khan? Have they done something to, to piss him off or something? 
I, I don't know. I mean, the varsity blondes, especially Pillman, they got the absolute job retreatment this week. I, it's really sad and unfortunate because last year, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. was one of the big stars out of Dark Side of the Ring with that tremendous, you know, that tremendous documentary on his father and seeing how much people were, on, uh, were behind him after that special. And I really thought that AEW was going to be fully behind this guy. And it's interesting because, uh, Ric Flair's last match a couple weeks ago uh, when he was teaming up with uh, with Brock Anderson, you know, as part of the Four Horsemen legacy. I mean, he was a heel in that program in in that match and he was tremendous. Like <laughs> I, I just can't I just can't believe that uh, AEW has not attached a rocket on him. I I just don't I just don't understand. I think I, I just don't think him remaining on a tag team with Griff Garrison is the best for him. I would love to see him separate and I don't know, like just have him turn heel and maybe become, you know, uh, like a late, like, like a, an updated version of, of the loose cannon. I mean, but yeah, they're not doing wonders for him at this moment. I was like, Tony, couldn't you find two local independent workers in like West Virginia to come in and do that spot for the Bronson Bonds instead of having a legitimate tag team that you've been pushing for maybe a year and a half? And they both look so good. They look like a freaking tag team. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Brian Pillman Jr. worked heel uh, in some indies, and I, I have to wonder if Brian, you know, derailed their push when he was having some personal issues in Jacksonville. You know, he's mentioned a, a, a little bit here and there on Twitter about partying too much and not focusing. That could be something, you know, they could they definitely could use something new for for Pillman Jr., yeah, I mean, they need like a rev like you know, Brian needs a revamp, and and you know as well as Garrison, they need like a, a a manager or because they are both both of them are so super talented, but they need direction. It's <laughs> shockingly enough, like Julia Hart was the best thing out of that entire group. They haven't been the same since Julia left and joined the House of Black. It's crazy that I'm saying this right now. <laughs> exactly. For all you Julia Hart fans that said that she was the best of the trio, bravo, because nobody else on this planet ever saw that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, who would have thought that Julia Hart, like, stood out the most since coming out of that? And, I mean, look, Jock's in a cheerleader uh, as a gimmick was never going to work as a babyface team based on people's experiences with those types in high school. <laughs> so that could be one reason right there. So, but yeah, I mean, Brian Pillman Jr. deserves better. Exactly. Well, we'll keep our eyes on the varsity blonde and we'll end my rant of the week here as we go on to stunning question number four. Jake, what is your favorite memory of NST UK? Oh man. Like anything, Walter, anything involved Walter. Uh, it's it's pretty tremendous. I mean, I, I one of my favorite matches to this day was in one of the UK takeovers in Cardiff. I, I believe it was August thirty first, twenty nineteen, when it was Walter versus Tyler Bate, and as Jr. likes to call it, it was a slobber knocker. Uh, one hell of a match. It was strong style. Uh, and what I liked about NXT UK is that it's such a realistic style of wrestling you know many of us call it british strong style and yeah i mean some tremendous matches especially with the uh, involving the uk championship uh you know tyler Bate and pete dunn going all the way back to their their first meeting uh back in 2017 when nxt uk the seeds of nxt uk first started so yeah that's definitely uh definitely some of my favorite memories there jay when nxt uk launched 
I was looking for something to watch that was more like the wrestling I remembered back in the day with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I was getting tired of the WWE formula style matches you saw in Raw and SmackDown at the time. So basically, all I was watching was NXT, and then I saw, hey, NXT UK, so I gave it a shot. And I have watched each episode ever since then, because it is the best one era of wrestling, pure wrestling, that you could say is wrestling on TV. Well, it used to be on TV until they took it off now. But mm-hmm. my favorite moments were probably was Jenny versus KLR, or actually KLR's whole title reign as a forever champion. Then we can also have, we got a shout out, Pretty Deadly as their tag team champions for a while. And I saw Mustache Mountain. And I'll raise you a match about Walter. If you haven't seen Walter versus Redface Brown, go check that match out. That was freaking hard-hitting. Exactly. The women's division at NXT UK was also tremendous. Uh, back then, you know, when they had Kaylee Ray and Tony Storm uh, involved, I mean, they had a great singles match, especially in that Cardiff show uh, for the UK Women's Championship. They had a tremendous women's division during that time as well. So, I mean, rest in peace, NXT UK. And you would, ar- and I would also argue, like, one of the last remnants of the black and gold NXT era. Exactly. As we went to the multicolored NXT 2.0, we still had that NXT UK kind of classic black and gold brand and we're all wishing hey wwe just forget about it just let it be it's over there do its own thing as long as we can watch it we're fine and they finally took notice <laughs> uh, that's a good point there okay we're coming down to the home stretch as we're going to stunning question number five we're talking about class at the castle and we're talking about hard-hitting matches jake they just added a freaking hard-hitting match get ready for gunfer versus sheamus Ooh, that's the that's the number one match I'm looking forward to. I clash the castle. It's going to be a huge barn burner, uh, a slobber knocker, a, a bar fight. You name it. It's going to be so fun to watch. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's going to be for the for the Intercontinental Championship. And yeah, I'm happy that the Intercontinental title is going to be involved in this. It really makes the and what I what I like about this Triple H era. Uh, for the past for the past month is that he's really making the the secondary titles mean something again you know they had various video packages for the u.s championship and he's booking more of the more uh, important matches for the intercontinental championship like i remember the intercontinental championship growing up was so important and it everyone called it the workers title before had before reaching that top spot for the world championship i mean uh, i mean hopefully this will bring back the intercontinental title to to relevancy and i uh, really looking forward to this match exactly i feel like the only person not looking forward to this match is probably gonna be uh, sheamus after he feels a couple of those walter slaps right and he wakes up the next morning to see the bruce is still there but i feel like this is going to be one of the matches that could still the show just for the fact that these guys are going to go all out mm-hmm Right, exactly. Uh, another, uh, some other matches uh, for Clash of the Castle that they have announced. Obviously, Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. You got a six-woman tag team match with Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka versus Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. You know, we saw on this past Monday uh, Rollins and Riddle having having one hell of a brawl uh, to start off the show uh, on on Monday. They have a singles match at Clash of the Castle, and then obviously the main event: Roman Reigns. Uh, with Paul Heyman on his side against Drew McIntyre for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And that's that'll be the ultimate main event. And really happy to see how Drew McIntyre has been booked, you know, this past couple of weeks. Tremendous promos uh, with Kevin Owens. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's still like, he's definitely um, getting his chops uh, flowing in terms of his, his promo work and really stands out. 
Okay, Jake, this is a million dollar question. Do you see Drew from McIntyre leaving Cardiff with the undisputed WWE World Heavyweight title? I mean, to be honest with you, that looks more likely now. Um, you know, you, you would think that I originally thought that Reigns will keep the title until next year's WrestleMania uh, but, and will eventually face The Rock. But the way how everything is booked now, maybe this could be the end for Reigns' um, legendary uh, legendary title reign. I mean, he he was fantastic the past couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe this could bring some freshness uh, to to the, the main championship program. Personally, I feel like they owe Drew McIntyre a good run with the title since he was champion during the pandemic era and he had no fans when he first won the WWE heavyweight title. So I get my fingers crossed that at Cardiff, at class at the castle, Drew's going to carry it today. Mm-hmm. As you know, Roman Reigns has uh, said uh, recently that uh, he wants to do some other ev- uh, adventures and some other endeavors uh, later, maybe uh, branch into Hollywood uh, himself. So maybe this could be a way to to uh, start the seeds to uh, start planting the seeds on that aspect. But uh, yeah, it'll be pretty interesting to see what happens uh, on September 3rd. Exactly. Jake, sixth and final stunning question of the week. This past Thursday, we saw the end of the G1 final as one tremendous match between Will Ospreay and Okada happened again. And for a moment, I thought maybe just maybe Will Ospreay could beat the Okada one, but Okada carried the day and Okada won the G1 tournament securing his spot at Wrestle Kingdom to face Jay White. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that uh, Kazuchika Okada was going to win it all. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I was surprised that he was going to make it this far, uh, not <laughs> much less winning it all because, you know, he he has a newborn baby coming up on the way and maybe he wanted to take some time off on that. But uh, yeah, I mean... We saw it last year, but I, I really wanted to see Osprey finally get finally get his due uh, this week, and kind of disappointed that it didn't go that way. Uh, overall, like in terms of like the G one uh, itself, uh, this is the least that I was interested in quite some time. Uh, and you know, it's not just me. You know, uh, interest has definitely waned uh, as far as. Maybe it's the new format. Maybe it's because you know, you know, there was so much going on, especially during, especially in the summer. Not, uh, not a lot of fresh faces, uh, with the exception of Filthy Tom Lawler, which I'm really happy. And then he had one hell of a performance throughout this G1. Also did some commentary with alongside Kevin Kelly, uh, which I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really happy for him that he got that opportunity. But yeah, I mean, like this new format, I'm, uh, may, yeah, sure, this this brings up like less matches but i just think the two block format uh brought in some more uh like developed better uh better storytelling it developed uh you know better you know uh better match throughout and i i don't know this four block this four this new four block format just didn't just doesn't work for me well i got a feeling that i'm hoping since japan's going to start opening up because they actually announced here at the g1 final that starting September 5th, the fans of New Japan for wrestling and attendance can start cheering. Because for the mm-hmm. last, like, two years, they have not yep. been allowed to cheer. That was a major uh, down point for me as well, is that uh, the Japanese fans, like, sure, I mean, some some people will call it respectful, but uh, just the quiet clap crowds, it, it really affected my enjoyment of New Japan 
for the past couple years. And, uh, you know, like maybe maybe it's just the the guy and me living here in North America raised on on American wrestling. But you you go back to some of the, the classics in 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 all Japan pro wrestling in the 90s when you got, you know, Misawa, Kobashi, Kawada, Akira Tawe. I mean, those classic matches like people were going ape shit. Like the, the crowd was going crazy for those matches and and all four guys bring out oozing such charisma and you know people were people were standing up to their feet and just yelling their their butts off <laughs> so uh, butts off and then we're such in awe of the of those matches so yeah I mean hopefully this will uh, this will begin to ease down the restrictions in uh, in Japan I'm, I know that the government is still very strict in terms of COVID there you know it's you know Kevin Kelly has said this uh, on Wrestling Observer Radio when he was a guest with Dave and Brian is that you know he was forced to wear a mask during commentary when which is kind of unfortunate because like trying to do commentary with a mask on it, it's it's really it's really tough it, it really muffles your your voice and how you speak and yeah I mean hopefully things will transition easily very soon though Okay, so another announcement coming out of the G1 final was the fact that Wrestle Kingdom is going to be one night, January 4th, and January 5th is going back to New Year's Dash. So mm-hmm. thank goodness we're going back to one night at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and they probably learned from this year when they had three nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Like, you know, you know there, there was not much enthusiasm with that, and they probably had a lot of backlash with that, um, that co-promoted uh, third night uh, with Pro Wrestling Noah, which... Did not do them any justice. Uh, they had a terrible attendance in that in that show, particularly as well. So, I'm I'm just so thankful that we're going back to one night of Russell Kingdom and you know, just focusing back on just some of the basics. And yeah, I mean, I mean, you can tell that WrestleMania definitely you know drew inspiration from New Japan about going to a, to a two night format. So hey, WrestleMania, I'm fine with the with this new two night format. To be honest with you, because like we've seen. How much you know matches? How much the show has dragged dragged out? But with Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, I don't think there's really a need for that anymore, especially with restrictions still in place and not seeing a lot of fresh faces yet. Exactly. If you look at the attendance figures for Night One and Night Two for the last two years of Wrestle Kingdom, Night One usually always outperformed Night Two. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so another bit of news coming out of this G1 final was the fact they're going to have a New Japan Pro Wrestling Women's World Title and a first title defense. It's going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. This will be interesting, Sean, because the IWGP Women's Championship, uh, this title will be exclusively be won and defended on shows promoted by New Japan. The main catalyst here was that Stardom's owner, Takaki Kidani, announced on July 29 that the company's roster will compete for the championship at the, the historic joint event between New Japan and Stardom, Historic X Over, which will take place on November 20th, 2022. And I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, what participants will be involved for this tournament. Really looking forward to see what Julia, uh, one of the best uh, Josies there at Stardom, will look uh, will look over there. So uh, really interested and then really excited to see uh, see uh, Joshi Towns finally being involved in the Tokyo Dome show. Exactly, because I don't think North American fans understand the, how historic this is for Japanese women's professional wrestling. Because forever, they were never in Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe have a guest match, dark style, but never on the main card. And finally, they have broken that glass ceiling, and we're going to see 
a women's division in New Japan for wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome to see. Well, Jake, man, this always goes by so fast, but I always enjoy chatting with you. Where can we find you? <laughs> Thanks for having me again, Sean. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just search Jake Olinar. You can, you can find all my, uh, my thoughts, my opinions on pro wrestling, uh, combat sports, MMA, or whatever in life. Uh, and I got to plug something. Uh, in a couple of days, I'm going to be with um, our good friend Blaine and his podcast, The Royal Ramble, uh, just to preview the upcoming All Out card, which I'm going to be at uh, on September 4th. So really looking forward to that. And uh, we'll let you know. And just to follow us on Radio Free Pro Wrestling's on our socials, uh, and we'll let you know uh, when that will come out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. Do the study one a favor. Follow me on Twitter at RFPW host Sean and follow the show on Rail Free PW if you don't mind. Must appreciate it. Jake Blaine is a very smart, intelligent guy. I love his podcast. I can't wait to see what you two do together. Oh, yeah, definitely looking forward to him. And uh, yeah, I mean, he has one heck of a podcast. So definitely recommend um, you guys listen to his podcast, The Royal Ramble. It's available on all podcast platforms. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, including here as well. We're all we're all over the place. Podbean, Apple Podcast, a Stitcher, whatever you name it. Just search uh, Radio Free Pro Wrestling and wherever you download your podcasts. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Jake from the Winnie City. I am your patron saint of stunning. I'm wishing you a stunning rest of your week. Until next week, stay stunning. Top guys out. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.